Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. How is everybody doing? This is the third week in the month of September, by the way, the month that's dedicated to suicide prevention and suicide awareness. So if you haven't done anything this month to help somebody else live, get off this podcast right now and do it. If it means calling your mom, texting your best friend, sending food to somebody, whatever, just do something this month to help someone else live. That's, that's, that's the homework. So let me not take any more time to introduce our guest. This gentleman is quite possibly the hard, hardest working, happiest man. Does that make sense? Hardest working, happiest man in the universe. Like seriously, his name is none other than Chris Topher Jackson. <laughs> I went there. Nice. <laughs> but Mr. Chris and I met on LinkedIn. Y'all, if, you, if you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn because there are people on there on LinkedIn. I've got like, I've had like five guests so far on, on my podcast and I've just met all kinds of beautiful, beautiful people. And one of them is Chris. Chris is, he's got the best looking unit dimple and a half in the world. And I know you guys can't see him. He's got a beautiful voice. He serenades people on LinkedIn. I mean, what is better than that? So Chris is going to come into the family today because in his past life, he was a campus mentor. And now I'm thinking about it. That means, is it the same thing as the, the RA, but the adult RA? Is that what that is, Chris? No. So actually, our my full-time job of is sort of like, if you think of it, like a missionary to the college students okay. to provide grown-ups to walk alongside them during their sort of coming out and they're becoming an adult, someone who's more of a friend than a parent to walk with them through those transition years. And so we literally mentor them for one, two, three, or four years. We're all volunteers. They don't pay anything. We would rake, we actually had to raise money like a missionary. So our our chosen field of people who needed us are the local college students. So it's really a beautiful thing where we join them arm in arm and hand in hand, not physically, of course, to help them through these transition years, which have such an impact on the rest of their lives. And there's no, no better person to do that. That's something I, I would like to sign up if I didn't have already 25 things to do every hour for the 25 hours in a day. But that sounds so good. However, in today's life, in his real life, he is a father, which I love to mention that because I'm all about parenting and parenting rights. And he's a dad. 
But to get paid, he is an investment financial consulting guru. So basically, if you need your money managed, he's the man, you know? You got it. <laughs> I love it. So, Chris, thank you so very much for joining the Suicide Pages family. Did I leave anything out in your intro? No, it's totally my pleasure to be here. And I really look forward to sharing some of my personal uh, story as well as my professional uh, story, as well as the nonprofit work that I continue to do around campus mentors and campus ministry. And so thank you so much, Dr. Lulu, for having me. All right. So of those three things, where do you want to start? Because the floor is yours. The stage is yours, my friend. Wonderful. So it's dangerous to give me a free stage just to tell my story. Oh my so God. you're like me. So this is probably gonna be, we're gonna have like four episodes out of this podcast because you're like me. I will at least going. <laughs> and you at know least. what? You can always um, so, you can always come back. Uh, you can always invite me back, and I will most likely say yes for sure. So yes, um, let, let's start at the beginning. I mean, you know, everyone grows up in a home that they probably in almost all cases would have a few things they would change, right? Uh, very few families or homes are perfect. Uh, and mine was the same. I actually started the first five and a half years or so of my life. Uh, there were five of us kids. I was, there were four boys and then the fifth was a girl. They finally got their, uh, their princess. <laughs> and um, we, first five and a half years of my life, we lived in a trailer. There's nothing wrong with living in a trailer uh, at all, but we, couldn't afford to fasten our trailer to the ground. And so there was a windstorm one time that literally blew the trailer over. No. Um, and I remember, oh yeah, I don't remember that. We weren't in it. Um, we had gotten out because we knew it was dangerous. But we had two pet turtles and we couldn't have, we weren't allowed to have, nor could we afford any other pets. So we had these two turtles. Mm. And in them getting knocked over and out of their cage, basically, um, they crawled into the heat vent. Well, somehow when the heat turned back on, it still turned on somehow, it cooked our pet turtles. I'd say and, it roasted them. <laughs> yeah. And so we, and we didn't have turtle soup, but we were very sad that we lost our only pets. Um, and so, you know, I, it was so long ago and certainly there are people far worse off than us that I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that, but it's a part of my story yes. that we were the family that my dad, when he got laid off every winter, he worked in road construction. Um, we were the people that the church folks brought the anonymous brown paper bags of food in the oh, winter because wow. they knew, they knew That's we probably so with five kids and four boys, food was tight. Now my parents did great. We never were hungry, but there were quite a few meals that I remember saying, no, I'm not going to take that second because somebody else might need it more than me. Wow. Right, you know, I'm 44 years old. I remember that from when I was very, very little because there, there wasn't an abundance. There was enough, but certainly not an abundance. Um, my dad um, had dropped out of college when he decided to get married and they had a child one year later. And so that started a process for him of making very poor financial decisions. In fact, I half jokingly, but very truthfully say that my dad never missed a chance to make the wrong financial decision. Mm. And so there was a ton of financial pressure in our home. 
and we kind of lived with the reality of not being sure, um, you know, how things were going, how, how we were going to make out and all those kinds of things as a family, because there just wasn't enough margin to go around. And my dad, you know, lived on debt and lived on credit to at times in the winter. He had this credit line that he would pull money out of. And I remember even as a kid being like, if we don't have the money, why are we pulling money out to spend that's on a loan? Because like we used to call it a Mac machine, but the ATM machine, mm. like it would show this huge negative balance and he had just taken money out. And I remember as a kid being like, are we going to be okay? You know, mm. um, kind of, so there's a lot of pressure in the home. You know, they say 71% of divorces now. They point to financial pressure as the number one reason for the divorce. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and 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 I would argue it's typically several reasons together, right? But it's a major pressure point that makes the tough job of staying married, being married, raising a family even tougher when you have all this financial pressure. And so I believe that factor and really kind of that inner vow I made. I remember one particular money fight that was, it was about money and not having enough money and about poor decisions. My dad always wanted to buy new used cars, um, kind of a thing. And there was a big fight about money. And I remember my dad pulling out the couple of dollars in his wallet, ripping them, throwing them, screaming. And I'm sitting there saying, you're fighting about, you don't have enough money. And there you just ripped up some of your money. Like how ridiculous is that? And so I made a vow to myself. That's not going to happen to my family. So hence I'm the, grown financial, up. the financial job that you do now. Wow, that's amazing. Ab very powerful. Absolutely. Very powerful. Yep. A lot of and times I was probably 10, 12, I was probably 10 or 12 years old when that happened. Wow. I talk about that a lot about aces. I keep I'm rather what's aces again? Uh, oh god, I forgot. But anyway, just life, just childhood experiences that end up just following you into adulthood. And sometimes you don't even remember your yeah. why, but you just know that whatever that is, is driving you and it's driving you so hard. And indeed, yes. you know, it's driven you to where you are now, which is successful, but still look at yeah. your beautiful, humble upbringings and the, the promise you made to yourself as an 11 year old and, and how you kept, kept it. It's amazing. Kudos to you. Yeah, thank you. And then I had an uncle who had done very well. He was an accountant for a large company, no financial pressure in their home. They had a home in Anchorage and in Los Angeles and got to travel and he was a good man and they had a good home. And I remember looking at that and saying, you know, if I'm gonna model myself after anybody, no offense, dad, it's not gonna be you, it's gonna be my uncle. Um, and so he was an accountant, so I went into accounting. Amen. That's my degree, but now I work in finance instead. And um, my, my mother has um, a long history of mental illness, mm. um, diagnosed. Um, and so, and, so basically just talking about your mom for a second, that yeah. whole marriage setup was not the one that she needed. We, oh, no. Yeah, I can imagine. I honestly, Dr. In Texas, they had a Texas Medical Association um, winter conference, fall, fall conference, and a gentleman was talking about how He's talking about food deserts and poverty and, and then talking mm. about how his father struggled with mental illness and mm. discussing the fact that where does the mental illness stop and the poverty begin? Like yeah. they almost, they feed off of each other. They feed each yes. other. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I don't know the science behind this. You know, my mother, her parents and her siblings, including my uncle who I looked up to, they show zero, their whole lives, zero inclination towards any kind of mental illness. And so I don't know the science behind when mental illness begins or how it starts or what pushes it, but she's the only one. And I think this financial pressure and then my dad's anger issues um, really caused or at least greatly enhanced her weaknesses in those areas. Like if I had met her in her teenage years and before, I have a feeling that she did not have mental illness or at least it was so dormant that it was triggered by this marriage and this upbringing and this financial And so believe it or not, there are many, and you haven't said what kind of mental illness, but my guess is it's probably depression. And the reason okay. I guess that is because, believe it or not, there are five or six different types of depression. The sure. one that is commonest is the one that your mom had, which is the one that I had, and that's called reactive depression. Mm. In other words, situational. Yep. I can't get out of this, you know, I feel trapped. I feel, you know, like I'm in a, in a hole and I'm not, I'm just, it's being dug deeper and deeper. I can't get out. And, you know, before you know it, your, your emotional state, mental state starts affecting your physical state. And then you start manifesting with fibromyalgia like I do now, because I just yeah. went through so much stress in my marriage and it was so hard for me. So hard. My body yeah. was like, okay, that's it. My, my mother has that too, and she has diverticulitis as well. Can you believe that? I didn't even I don't even know your mom. And yeah. I love that we're talking about this now because I want the listeners to learn things that are like this. Like you can't just sit over there and say, Oh, I don't have mental illness. Honey, you don't have mental illness yet. Yeah. When I say that, I say that with all the love in the world because for me, who does not have any prior diagnosis of depression or anything, but situationally I found myself suicidal because I was yeah. like out and most people that die by suicide indeed have not necessarily suffered from mental illness they've just gotten to that point of complete utter exhaustion emotion yeah. and yes. then there is a means to yes yeah, it's extreme burnout, but it's not necessarily career-driven. Career the words from my mouth. That yeah, it's not career-driven, though. It's relationally driven or exactly. driven by... And by that the is exactly right. The, 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 you get to the point where they call it the ultimate, ultimate form of human burnout. When you mm. get to the point where you, you have no other options that are, that are acceptable to you right this moment. Yes. And wait, there's a gun. Yeah, or a, or a bottle of pills or whatever. Or a belt for my teenagers. Yes, or yes. Or actually my young boys or a jump rope for my young girls. Yeah. My teenagers, yeah. I, I Absolutely. Tell you, this, is, this is great. Wow, wonderful. So, yes. So that's kind of the background. And my mother uh, continues to struggle greatly with anxiety disorder in addition to bouts of depression. So as a kid, we had this financial pressure. We had you know, being poor. And we did move to a house and things were a little better, but still very tight. And then the normal pressures, right? Mm. And then we had my mother who would melt down mm. uh, in, in spells. And my youngest, my only sister, who's a little younger than me and myself, my memories are the two of us trying to help take care of our mom at times. Mm. And uh, so, you know, we did not have the worst home by any means, mm. but it, it was not the healthiest place for sure. 
there wasn't a lot of violence, but there was there were some bouts of that, particularly mm -hmm. my dad towards my mom and a couple of my older brothers. So, you know, out of that place, mm. you know, college became a real formative time for me because it was my first time really being able to escape mm -hmm. I knew you were gonna that, that. that milieu, that, that environment. Before you talk about that, I wanted to go yeah. back a little bit and mention how yeah. even though you keep going back to the fact that we were not the worst, we were not the worst, what is the definition of worst? For me, I feel like when, you, when, I, was, when I was going through my suicidal time because I ended up having to file bankruptcy, yeah. I, just, I got to the point where I was like, I have this fancy house. I've got two cars. I've got closets and closets and closets of bags and shoes and clothes. But none of that was enough. I've got three beautiful boys, but that wasn't enough. A wife, a pet dog was not enough. Right. What is, what is the bottom line? Each one's level is different. That's right. For your mother, it wasn't the worst, but that was for her. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, most, most of her, at least from the time, you know, that I was around, had she been had a good option a good way to get out you know away from sort of the guilt and the shame of you know ending a marriage and moving on and all that uh we grew up in a very conservative you know biblical type home too very very conservative um and so the pressure there was great but but if she had had a, a real ticket out she, you know she lived with the reality that she would have chosen almost any other reality so you know, with all she was dealing with, as well as the mental weaknesses, emotional weaknesses that she had, you know, she would have gladly, she talked openly about wishing she could end it all. She talked openly about, she would trade her, you know, why can't we get a break? And I kept saying, no, life doesn't give you breaks, but you know, you've had some good days, so why don't you, but you know, all the bad counted three times what the good did with yes. her because of where she was at. Um, and that thankfully she didn't have a means and that's what I was saying it's all of this plus I need a means the means has to be there and ironically you know and I know we have we, we, may ne we may never get past your childhood because there's so much to <laughs> I want to go back and say something about the biblical environment you were raised in because I was yeah. raised in a, a cradle catholic uncle is a priest.com family okay, yeah. but I'm going to tell you that that doesn't mean a whole lot when it comes to emotional stability. No, it can actually be detrimental. In it's some almost way. exactly counterproductive because then you're really, really stuck with. We're supposed to be the pastor, as an example, the pastor's family. We're not supposed to da 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 da. Let me tell you, I have a guest who I cannot wait to release her episode because her grandfather was the bishop, and from the age of six, mm. he was in her underpants until. Oh she yeah. Oh her. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that biblical thing, with yeah. all due respect to the Bible totters, you know, I love you guys. I love myself. Yeah. Oh, God. But this is reality. Yeah. Reality. And it's painful reality. Right. Well, and like our church early on, it was one where the women wore a prayer bonnet mm. and they were sort of to be seen and, and you know, not heard. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very rare in that community for the, for the wife to be the one that says, you know what, this marriage isn't working. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm out or hey these are my this is how it needs to be or I'm gonna leave like and, and the shame and you would have lost all of your community and your friends and it's just not something that people saw happen and so it's sort of self-perpetuate and I, I'm a Christian man to this day and my faith is very important to me but I 
all people are equally valuable. All people have the rights to strive for a better life. Yes. All people have the right to say to anyone, and uh, sadly, including their spouse, you are not good for me. Boom. And so I'm choosing to either make a change or you're going to have to change or I have the right to walk because I will not let anyone destroy my own personal sanity, my own health, my own happiness, my own growth. You can't let anyone do that, including your spouse, including your own self. You including your own be, self. Including yes. your own self. I love that because you know, I'm gonna, I haven't said this on this podcast, but I'm going to say it now because it resonates so much with me. I was married to my ex-husband for 13 years. And for mm -hmm. the last maybe five or six years of that, there was nothing physical going on between the two of mm -hmm. us. He was dead. Sure. However, I kept on having these nightmares. And I talk about that a lot to my children, mm -hmm. how I would have every form of way of being killed. And I know that probably doesn't make sense, but if you can think of, I was shot at, I was beheaded, I was, mm -hmm. I was buried alive. All of these things, I was at a, a guillotine. I mean, just you name it, I would have nightmares every night because mm. the marriage was just killing me. Like I was mm. dying inside. And then mm. one night I spoke to this gentleman who heard my voice. He heard, said, you gotta get out. Like, yeah. you need to get out. And I was like, I'm a Nigerian woman. I'm a black female. And then yeah. I was like, girl, listen to me. And listen to me, good. Yeah. I'm gonna die in that marriage. Yeah. And then one night I woke up and I just wanted to get a pair of scissors and mm. the left side of his chest. Mm. I knew I had to get it. I was like, okay. Yes. Because yes. it was going to become my new black, and I didn't want that, you know? That's right. That's right. <sighs> I tell you, the things that we go through just to be the wife, and I don't know where this whole mentality came from, because it didn't come from Eve. And I say that, and I say that again oh. in the back. Eve was a rebel. She was the rebel. She was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a taste, and I'm going to make him take a taste. You know? She was, <laughs> she, was she was revolutionary. I never even thought about it until just now, when I voiced it out to you. She was not gonna be. She was not gonna be on her. No, 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 no. Let's let's taste this apple and let's let's get this gentleman over here to take a bite until our eyes can open. She was leading him to the glory room. <laughs> she wasn't like. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, and and you know it's it's interesting. There's there's a lot of male female things that that come in and to faith and religion and, and the Bible and all those kind of things. But I, I was just having a conversation earlier this week with someone people like to say about me, they say, Oh, you're a man who's very in touch with your feminine side. And I, I own that. I'm cool with that. What they mean by that is I talk about my feelings. I have feelings. Well, I hate amen. to break it to you. Yes. Men have feelings. We yes, just don't. I was just going to say, amen. Amen. And we have dreams and desires and we want this, many of the same things that many women want. However, we allow, and it's our fault, we mm -hmm. allow culture and expectations and Society. the way we were raised to think that we shouldn't show that. And honestly, we're afraid to show that something. And this is coming from a white male. Absolutely. For the, for the rest of years us, old. Yeah, who don't know that this, this is like a white male. The people who are like at the top, because as far as I'm concerned, is white male, white female, pet, black female, and then black male in that 
hierarchy mm, when it comes to showing your emotions. No, for real, showing your emotions, yeah. blackmails. Oh, they don't have emotions. Of course they do. Have three. Of course they do. You. And my son, my eldest son, will attack you first for saying not you, but the person who's telling you that you are in touch with your feminist. Like, wait, wait, what is the feminine side? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's the ultimate feminist. You're like, wait, wait, what, what do you mean feminine side? What, what side is feminine? You know, and I love and I raise him to think that way because we need to start changing all those myths with capital M and Y, T H S, yeah. you know, all of them caps, so that we can save the world that we live in. Why is it that men who are the quote unquote stronger, so to say, they're the number one dying of of of, of suicide? Right, right. You know? Okay. Well, and you know, part of that that we were talking about this was a separate conversation earlier but it ties in so well i was saying to this group that i'm a part of and i was saying no 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 men feel that same way too we have dreams desires we have thoughts for how we wish our marriages were and our relationships were but and, and the women in this group we were, it was kind of an open forum discussion they were like oh my gosh chris i wish i had known that i would have treated my husband differently friends yes because they they assume because they see this outer surface and this trying to be strong and trying to in some cases be you know the provider or one of the main providers in in some of those traditional roles that some people fall into they mistake that for oh this is just what the man wants no this is what the man's doing as a form of love for his family he would love to be whisked away on a great romance with his 20, 30 year, year wife, just as much as the wife would. Not all men, but most. But we've stuffed that down so much because quite frankly, we don't always get treated as if our dreams matter, our hopes matter, our desires matter. And it's the same for women. I mean, there just haven't been that many male leaders step up and say, hey, wait a minute, I have feelings too. And when people say this to me, I go home and feel bad about no. myself. And I look in the mirror and see all the flaws, just like the ladies do. Amen. But, you know, it's so interesting. We make such assumptions sometimes about the very people in our lives that it's almost like we really haven't taken the time to get to know the, mm -hmm. the very people that we are with every day. And even those we're married to and even our own kids. Like, where's the time we spend actually getting to know them? You know, I would challenge your, your listeners, Dr. Lulu, the men and the women, Set up a date with your loved one, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. And you know, the whole purpose of that night is to listen and say, what are your dreams for the future? What would you like life to look like? What are the things you think are impossible, but you'd love to see them happen? And you'll be, I, I have to, this with my clients all the time. We're talking about their long-term financial plan. And the wife will say something and the husband will look and be like, you've never told You've never told me that. Sometimes they have the same exact dream and hope, but they've never told each other. And I get this awesome job where I get paid very well to help people achieve their dreams and their mission. Like it's so cool, but they don't talk about it because they're so sure the other person's going to think they're silly, dumb, or disagree, or that, no, we can't do that or whatever. Um, so that's you know, my day job. I get to see people kind of open up to each other in this financial planning process. And oh my God, sometimes bad stuff comes out too. Don't get me wrong. It's not all, it's not all uh, you know, roses and beach houses, but um, <laughs> sometimes it's, you know, no, that's not what I want our life to be. Why would you want us to do that? And sometimes, but they haven't communicated. 
they haven't actually seen each other. And I'm so big at that. Like, I love people. You can probably tell. No, yeah. I like to get to know people. And I don't say, what do you do for a living? No, no, no. What gets you excited? What inspires you? Those are the questions I love to ask because you get a little window into somebody's soul. And you know what? Those people walk away. And sometimes they'll text me later say, wow, you made me feel special today. And my heart inside is like, yes, because everybody is special. But if we don't take the time to look in their eyes and I try, I call it with my clients, get behind their eyes and actually see what they see, mm. and see, see them for who they are. We just don't do that. And do you know what most of us really want? We want someone to notice us. We That's want great. someone to see us. We want someone to think we're special and we want someone to make us feel special. And you know what? Most of the other problems we have in the day, except like health and some of that stuff, they would become so much less important yes. if we had something make us feel special on a, on a So the day. first question was, what gets you excited? What's the second question? Uh, what inspires you? What inspires you? That's wonderful because I'm just taking notes up in here because I usually want to know like a favorite quotes, but I got so many. <laughs> I so love my it. website, Dr. Lulu, has a whole page that's just called the inspiration page. Oh, wow. There's no purpose behind it other than it's things that inspire me. And so we change it about every six, eight weeks. But some of the videos and stuff stay there forever. You can't, I don't tell you which ones are permanent. <laughs> there's wow. a few that just always speak to me. But then there's some that we kind of cycle through. There's usually a song or two or three right now. There's just one. Um, there's videos. There's speakers. There's different inspiration things and stuff like that. And um, there's no purpose behind it other than we all sometimes need that pick me up. We all sometimes need that inspiration, but it's also a way for people to get to know me. If they know that I handpick every single one of those and even the order they go in, I pick because if people want to work with me and become one of my clients, I want them to know me because we can only build trust and people entrust me with not only information about themselves that their spouses might not even know, but many of our clients, most of our clients give us all of their money to manage. Exactly. Give it all to us. They entrust us yeah. with everything. That's so good. they have the right to know what makes me tick and what my agenda is and what my goals are and what inspires me. So I love to ask those questions. And sometimes people are dying to say, well, don't you know, didn't you want to ask me what I do for a living? I'm like, no, that's secondary to me. <laughs> if it's important, if it's important to you, go ahead and tell it's me. It's going to come people, out. Yes. Yeah. But we stay well, on the surface. We talk about the weather and what you do for a living. It's like people are so much more than that. Like what makes you smile? What makes you laugh? I ask silly questions like that. But at the end, people are always like, I like hanging out with you. Yes. Uh, because they can tell I actually care and I actually really want to get to know them. And so, awesome. Uh, that, I think it's probably my white male twin. If there's a white male twin version of me, <laughs> six years younger than me, that'll be you. So I don't know how we'll be twins. But if that was a well, white... you look younger than me, so we'll, we'll say it's square. <laughs> if there was a male, white male twin version of me, that'll be you. Also, there we go. I, I never know where these, my interviews are going to go. I never do. and I We're I, making it up, aren't we? <laughs> we never even left your childhood. Isn't that amazing? Not yet. And, you not, know, yet. And, not yet, I know. I'm just saying that, but we've already covered so much ground and you've, you just touched on so many things and of course there's much much more but i love it and sometimes i want to say something but i'm like he's going he's going because there's some i love the challenge to listeners i'm going to put that down that's amazing so i don't even know should we venture into your teenage years i feel like we should save that for episode for page, what i call page two of your page of your <laughs> totally page. up to you you can you can see where we go time. next yeah we have we have a lot of time so let's come from your childhood and 
thank you for sharing the depth. Of course. For me, as a Nigerian-born immigrant who, you know, the target on my forehead right now, if you, if you went to the White House, you would see it coming from the White House as a foreigner and as an immigrant with an accent that I'm going to keep. It's mm -hmm. amazing to see that indeed, you know, we're connected, and I, I like to say we're connected by our storylines. You know, yeah. there's so much power in that because that's yeah. in any family, in any country. That's right. Life, and nobody that's would right. think it's in America. And so I that's love right. that, that, that you showed that. And just, just case in point, I, I grew up with the opposite. You know, I grew mm -hmm. up with my dad is a two-star general. We had chauffeur and, and people to, to house nice. and all that. But, but then I'm Nigerian. I'm like, I shouldn't because I'm, wait, you're, you're African or something. But uh -huh. that didn't change the fact that emotionally did I feel validated by my parents. One of them, mm. the other one didn't. I'm not going to say who did. But the point is, as a teenager, as a child, I still had yearnings. I still yeah. had that wish, like you said at the beginning, to change about my home and, 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 and so forth. So thank you. So bringing us to teenage years, quote unquote formative years, because you yeah. said, you know, when you went as a young adult, actually maybe teen, late teen, adult, went to college, boom, you felt yep. a chance to get out. Tell us, about, unpack the top part of that. Just the top layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, was al I was always a leader. Uh, every time I got involved in something like no youth group, <laughs> Youth group in church, I ended up as the president. I was the top male student graduate in my graduating class. People would look to me as, as the leader of the group all the time. I, I led sports teams. Uh, I led the guys to try out for the girls' volleyball team. because we I really love it. Our own men's team, and they kept turning us down. So I just always, you know, uh, was sort of that person who was the leader. Uh, a little bit rebellious, but more so just, I'm just going to lead. I'll take um, the rebellion. I think the Reverend, the world was not changed by non-rebellious people. And so far, the only person that I know that led a revolution, still a rebel, with a different kind of energy, was Gandhi. But he mm. was still a rebel of sorts. Oh, yes. yeah. Especially he didn't burst out, you know, like Keanu Reeves in, in the first <laughs> of those installments, you know, bending over that. But he was a rebel. Oh, yes. A quiet storm sort of a rebel. Oh, oh yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I take out give the rebels any time. <laughs> I can tell that about you. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So even though I was a leader socially, believe this or not, I was actually very shy. Mm. I second guessed myself in social settings. Mm. I've always struggled with my weight. I was born very heavy, and actually, I was the ugliest baby ever. So. Very always cute. I'm a pediatrician. No, but I'm one of the one of the few exceptions. So you were the baby from Seinfeld. The one is. You remember that episode of Seinfeld? That was a baby. I was huge. I was red. I had red hair. These ugly freckles. It was terrible. Anyhow, I got very cute after that for a little while. I got blonde and kind of cute after that. But I've struggled with my weight. I never. My parents couldn't afford braces, so my teeth are a little bit crooked. Um, and I've always looked older than my age. And so, you know, so that was part of it, but I just always thought that I would be, if I actually just kind of was out there with what I thought, and I always had, have had sarcasm. I like to laugh. I like to make people laugh, but I would never say it out loud because I was worried what other people would think. And they would just think I was silly or dumb or a big nerd because I did well in school. So all these self doubts, all these things that you say, 
And so with my friends, we had a blast and I had fun and they really liked me. But anytime there was a bigger group, I was always, I would still be a leader, but I was not gregarious. I was not outgoing. I was not that social. And so through some events, I went to a small Christian school and right away I knew that was not for me. And two of my brothers had gone there. So I transferred to a local state school. And I remember the day it happened. I was in the best shape of my life. I was going to a school with another good accounting program, but away, still away from home a couple hours. And I remember the day, and I remember what I was wearing. I can almost see it through, through my eyes now. That I said, you know what? I'm going to a college with 8,000 students. And the only person who knows me there is my ex-girlfriend, because she was kind of following me there. And I'm not going to hang out with her. So literally nobody knows me. I get to be who I've always wanted to be. And it wasn't like this fake. It was like, stop pretending and just be and see what happens. You know, you're a little bit scared. Like, what if nobody likes me? And I thought, but you know what? Then I'll know instead of doubting and allowing those doubts to keep me from just being at home in my own skin, Mm -hmm. which I am now. And, um, And then I also coupled that with, and this is the leadership side, I said, well, you know, I'm going to be there for about four years and there's 8,000 students. So my goal is to get to know 2,000 students per year over the next four years. I literally set that goal. I'm very numbers oriented, people oriented and goal oriented. And so Dr. Lulu, by the end of the first semester, I knew far more than 2,000 students. I knew them by name. They knew me by name. We had a connection. I started being myself now it probably helped that I looked the best I had ever looked in my life. And I know the guests can't see you. Okay, (laughs) I know he's white, and I know I'm probably going to lose some black cards in this, but yeah, y'all, he is a looker, okay, ladies? (laughs) This huge dimple on the right cheek, semi-dimple on the left cheek, and and if nothing else, his energy, his personality shines. (laughs) So you know what? He's not Denzel, but... uh, <laughs> Nobody's Denzel, baby. <laughs> uh, thank you very, very much. I, I yeah, don't see it, but I'll suicide, right? I love it. I yeah, love this. Guy. I don't see it, but I'll take the compliment. Thank you very, very <laughs> okay. much. Okay. <laughs> you didn't even mention the blue eyes. Come on now. Max. Oh well, you know what? As I, I don't want this podcast is supposed to be about something serious. Okay. <laughs> I want to get into my but video. You know, so we're gonna leave that for next. Episode. But lifting other people up is a good thing. So thank yeah. you so very much. So very much. <laughs> and so I literally decided that on one day and I made it happen. And it was so encouraging to realize a couple things. One, I was likable without any filters. I was just being myself and people actually liked me. And that was huge. And then also I had the power to start creating the life I wanted by deciding what I wanted and choosing it and then doing it. And so when, you know, when I knew that I knew far more than 2000 students within one semester, I was like, you know what, this is so much fun. I'm just going to keep being me. And there's going to be some people that don't like me and that's okay. But there's going to be a lot of people that do like me. And what a gift when someone actually gets to know the real you unfiltered, unbridled, (laughs) and they like you anyway, like that is such a freeing thing. And, you know, I I still had setbacks. I still had times that like, oh my gosh, I don't want to put myself out there again. But I kept coming back to no, just keep being yourself. And every and I have this tribe of friends here. I've 
eight or nine or 10 guy friends that we've been the best friends for 25 years now. Wow. And they met me during those formative years. Well, it was the first time I was free to be myself. Um, And I could have done it earlier, but most of us, it takes some time until we reach the maturity level emotionally and mentally and all that, where we can actually realize, you know what? I'm the only person who's fully accountable for me. I'm the only person who's fully responsible for me. And I am in charge of my own life and nobody else. And so people who want to change their financial fortunes, they need to take ownership of that. They're not going to win the lottery. There's no bus coming to take them and give them a free house. I love it. (laughs) They have to do it themselves. If if you want a better relationship, what did you have to do? You had to decide, I will not do this anymore. And I'm going to find someone who values me and someone who actually brings the best out of me, someone who's life giving to me. And I'm going to, I'm not going to give up till I find that person. And you made that happen, right? Um, If I want to lose weight, there is nobody else I can blame but me right? I'm responsible. I can make a million excuses. And that the empowerment that comes from when you finally realize not only are you in charge of yourself, but that you can actually make real changes in your life. Like people say, oh, a tiger can't change its stripes. Bull freaking crap. Oh my God. That's my phrase. Don't take it. Let me tell you, let me tell you why I said that. One of my friends, she's a business coach and she always says, People are not trees. You can move. I love that. Yes, I love that. I like to say absolutely. So stop. I love it. I love it. Because maybe a tiger can't change its stripes, but we are people. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. We can (laughs) self-determine and self-actualize and get pretty darn close to creating the life we want. But we have to be willing to pay the price. We We have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to plow through the freaking walls that we're going to run across in order to create the life and become who we want to be. I mean, if, if I want to get good, something I'm terrible at, somebody asked me this week, is there anything you're not good at, Chris? I'm like, oh my gosh, do you have an hour for me to make the list? <laughs> but like one of the, I have terrible handwriting and I can't draw. Well, one of my closest contacts, one of my closest friends, she's this amazing artist. And I can't even believe the stuff that she can create with her hands. It's, it's awe-inspiring. It really is. And so I said, like, if I wanted to get better at that, I could have her give me lessons. And with enough work, enough practice, enough sacrifice, I could at least get better. I would never be her level. But I could get much better if I decided that was something I wanted to do. But I'd have to pay the price. It's not going to happen just because I want it. I've got to do it. And so like, if you, if you want out of a relationship, that's really life draining, it's going to, they're going to have to take some risk, right? If you want to build a financially free home with no financial pressure, you're going to have to make some sacrifices to do that. You're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to put other priorities to the side in order to do that. If, if you want to lose weight, you've got to eat less and put time at the gym or go running or whatever it is. Yes. You got to get healthier. You know, there's, there's really so few excuses because even people sort of in most, not all, especially in America, abusive situations, they can get out. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be risk-free. I have a friend who was actually this held hostage, so to boyfriend. speak, by her, by her boyfriend and beaten for about seven days straight. Literally beaten. Oh, my God. She, 
she eventually got out and she's amazing. She's one of my LinkedIn connections. Her name's Ramona. She's unbelievable, this woman. But like, she was gonna get out. Like she was so beat up and exhausted. She literally could hardly get out, but she kept waiting and waiting for her opportunity. And she got out and now she has this amazing life. Like we can, again, not every circumstance, but most we can get out, but we have to be willing to take the risk, pay the price, make, and not be able to be stopped. Like we have to become our own unstoppable hero. Amen. In order to save ourselves. And I was going to ask you, do you have any favorite quotes? I'm writing that down. I, I, I just made that one up. <laughs> I know. Hey, I'll take it. Um, we have to be our own unstoppable heroes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You it's know. funny you said that because just recently I decided to stop being kinder to myself. Mm, absolutely. And just stop with the negativity and, you know, yes. and walking in the past and I'll just be like, I don't know. I can't think of anything right now because I, I'm literally actively squashing those thoughts. Good, good. What I call the bully in your head. My friend Vicky, who was a guest on the podcast, taught me that you That's are great. a and a yana and that most of us suffer from MES, not enough syndrome. And so I just started learning. Yeah. The first thing you do is tell the bully, stop, not today. When That's that right. voice that looks like you, sounds like you, goes to bed with you, wakes up in the morning with you. Yes. That's to tell you, you, you can't do it. And so yeah. one day, because I just opened a new practice and I, I was doing my marketing, and I do that on Wednesdays and I went, skip it, skip it, skip the money into this, this, this doctor's office and walls in. And I said, I wanted to speak to the doctor or somebody. And when I told them, just a little bit, said, wait, you got to wait. I'm going to go get the office manager because I really think you need to speak to her. And then I said, okay, I need to use the restroom. And I went to the restroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I winked at myself and said, girl, you're killing it. I've yeah. never done that before. And I, I felt it. so good for telling myself, girl, you're killing it. People think that I'm killing it. People say that all the time. But I've never yeah. said, girl, you're killing it. And I, You were believing what they said. You were believing it. it. <laughs> I love it. So, so to those listening to us, I mean, we're not making light of the fact that this is real. You are sometimes, like you said, your own best cheerleader, your unstoppable hero. But you just have to agree that you are. And yes. then go tell the world and we will listen. We're, we're waiting yeah. for you. I know I never, just coming full circle at 50, telling myself for once in my life, girl, you're killing it. Oh my God. I was like, yeah. oh, this is real. Because yeah. it was that day or before that, that I'm going to stop letting that voice come to my head and tell me. Yes. So. Well, the only, the only way to get rid of a bully, I'm a bully expert. I have a PhD in dealing with bullies. I love it. Um, for other people and for myself. The way to stand up to a bully is actually to step forward, not backward. Yes. And once in a while, you know, you actually do have to, to punch him in the gut or poke him oh in the eye. Oh, my God. Yes. I but am most asking. of the time, you don't. Most well, of the time, most you, time you just have to say, stop it. Loud yeah. enough. Yeah. You not step forward. Come from your stomach and say, stop it. Because you don't know just because I'm 5'5", five five, I might be a freaking black belt. You don't know that. That's right. And I'll tell you from somewhere inside of me. The way I'll take a deep breath and the way my voice will come out will scare that six, five, yes. 230 pounder for me to say, don't you ever do that. Yeah. Or something. But it's got to come from somewhere. Got it all that. Yes. You know what? I don't even want to uh, try Not. that. Because you never know. Nope. Never and know. you know what? You know what I found? I've, I've stepped forward toward people to protect myself, but also mm -hmm. others. Quite a few times. It's been a while since I've actually punched somebody, um, but I'm always willing if I have to. And 
what I found is very few people actually want to go. You know, I was a wrestler for 14 years. I'm a big guy. I'm not afraid of hardly anything at this Mm -hmm. stage of my life. And I don't care how freaking big they are. They're 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 gonna know that I was there whether they win or lose. They're gonna remember me. They're gonna remember me. And the same thing, like you never know. And so most people, you step forward and say, "Hey, we got a problem here. Let's go." They're gonna back away because most people who are bullies, including the bully in our own mind, is a coward. It's because we're afraid. Coward, yeah. We're afraid, and and I don't I don't know. I can't unpack. You would probably know better than I would. But where that negative self-bullying comes from, it, so much of it is out of fear. And some of that fear is, well, what if I put myself out there and, and I, I fail? And I fail. We just, we said the same. I told you you were my twin brother. You, <laughs> you know, and you're right. And Vicky, who is also, she's actually a bullying expert. She wrote books on it. She nice. says that the three or four top bullies are fear, yep. shame, doubt, and one other one. But anyway, for me, it was fear and doubt. And then she threw, you know, three of them. For me, it was fear and doubts in this blog that I wrote. When I, when I quit yeah. my job to, to start speaking about child suicide, I was like, my, my two closest companions were fear and doubt. And I was like, I just yeah. kept them at a distance, but I was aware that they were there. And then she was yeah. like, yeah, fear, doubt, and shame because <clears throat> fail, yeah. oh my goodness. But you know what? We now just decided that when you fail, sometimes it's because you need to do what the navigation system does recalculating make yes. a U-turn if possible <clears throat> recalculating make a U-turn if possible because yeah. indeed, there's a wall there you can't go that's why you failed and maybe right. it wasn't meant to end this way oh my goodness Chris right I am just loving this I knew I knew this was going to be good but I didn't know how good <laughs> awesome let, let me share one other thing that's similar to, to you recalculate which I totally love and sometimes we just, we have to go a longer way around to get back to where we needed to go. That's right. You know, it doesn't mean we get there in a straight line. Life happens. It yes. doesn't always work out the way that we want, even when we're doing all the right things. Other yes. people make choices. Those choices impact us. Because, um, yes. You know, you know, the old, the old saying, you know, here's the glass. Is it half full or half empty? And, you know, it's a great, great little thing. But I think it's so much deeper than that. Like my answer to that now is... It doesn't matter if it's full, empty, or halfway, because we can always refill it. Amen. Oh, my it's God. It's completely ref- refillable, right? There's so much abundance if we get out of our own way. And if we I start know. to see other people, and we start to genuinely care about other people, we can fill our own glass. They can fill our own glass. It's the amount of water that is out there, the abundance is overwhelming and so you know sometimes our glass feels a little emptier than others sometimes it appears more sometimes it's overflowing but there's more water we can fill it back up again for ourselves and we can help other people fill their own glasses too right i mean at the end of this you and i are going to be worn out and also we're going to feel so good because (laughs) we we connect it we're connecting in such a way and we're trying to share things that may or may not be helpful to other people you know, I'm not being paid to do this. You're not being paid to do this interview, right? We're doing this because we care about others and we, we think the power of connection and sharing our story and our wisdom might just help somebody out there say, you know what, I should not listen to my negative talk anymore. Or, hey, I have a friend that struggles with that. Maybe I can start helping them chase the, their bully out of their own lives or out of their own heads. You know, the person that said to you, get out, it's going to kill you, get out. They helped you deal with a bully in your oh, life. Oh, yes, he did. So that you could be set free. Like we can help each other 
But at the end of the day, there comes a time when there's no one around to help us at that particular moment, right? We have friends we reach out to, but maybe they're busy or maybe they had an off day themselves and they weren't as helpful. We have to show self-love, self-compassion. And I think, and I don't hear this, and maybe I invented this, we have to be our own self-encourager. There well, are- My friend says that, she, she says self-counsel. She says, you must self-counsel yes. yourself. She always said that when I was yeah. with my last son and she, I, was, I, was, I was married to him. And I, you know, I wanted a little girl. It's a longer story than this. And I, I got pregnant because I really thought I was going to have a little girl. And I, I didn't know I was, it was a boy or not. I was just, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a third child. And I already know that this marriage is really doomed. And it was, mm. she was like, yes, you need to self-counsel yourself, you know, more upbeat because this has already happened. The child is going to come yeah. here. And of course I made her the baby's godmother. It was like a, a no brainer because she was there for me <laughs> through the pregnancy. But you're right. Self-counsel is important. Like yeah. I said to myself, girl, you're killing it. Four or five words that yep. just didn't yep. mean anything to somebody else, but to me, to come from me, I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and don't, don't forget you winked at yourself, right? I winked at myself. <laughs> that put the exclamation point on there. But like, do we, do we know how to encourage our own selves? Like when we're feeling down, do we, do we know the things that we can do? Like I have an inspiration page on my website. Sometimes I go to it because I want to get pumped up. You know, there's a couple songs that I go to. Sometimes I'll just start singing in my own head or out loud or bopping around a little when I'm feeling down and it like gets me, gets me back on track. Um, we have so much in common because people ask me the same question. Is there anything you can't do? (laughs) There are not very many because I don't don't see, I don't see, I can't do, you know, I don't know how to explain it. I don't see any situation as like, oh, I can't do it. There's no such thing as can't. Yeah. I I quit my job as a pediatrician. It was $200,000 a year and I didn't have anything, but I felt speaking about suicide is to me more important. And so I was like, no, there's not a whole lot. I'll try anything once. There may be a couple of things that I've tried now. I don't like the way celery makes me feel. So I won't do it anymore. <laughs> but I'll try it. You know, it's like, so I'm good. And even with a good sauce, dip, or whatever, I eat the celery. But sure. I have very few things that I can't do. And people are like, oh my God, you did that. I say, yes, I do all of that. I do. And you can too. We have the same yeah. eyes, two hands. <clears throat> oh, that's not for me. Well, there you go. You said that's not for you. For me, yeah. I said, let's try it. I said, well, I speak eight languages. <clears throat> oh my God, what do you mean? Because I love to communicate. It's something that's I right. That's like right. Salamu alaikum. Even if I don't know anything else, that person in the hijab right away sees me as a friend. And he's important yeah. for my yeah. job. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, okay. And no, Islam is not one of my eight languages. I'm just giving as an example. I love to communicate at your level. Because a four-year-old, I want to get down to their level. 16-year-old, yeah. them, you know, 16-year-old, yeah. let's talk about it. It's important to connect. And, and I love this podcast. And I know I got to let you go because I'm looking at the time. But I got a few minutes, yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I, I know that because we, we, I, need, I need to do a few more things before I let you go. But sure. I need you to please promise me that you come back and talk about the work you did as a mentor. And I think keep on doing because on of Facebook, on LinkedIn, you talked about you went to your school, one of the colleges, one time. And I want you to talk about that, the fact that you work with, with teenagers, because my son, yes, two of them are in college, and I know I wish they had you, and I know they're, they're yeah. sub-millennials, whatever that is, Gen X or Gen Z, whatever, and yeah, they'll never, <laughs> never, never reach out to you 
Gen iPhone, is that what you said? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. They'll never reach out to you because, you know, that's what they do. But I wish they had someone like you. So next time, and God knows it took long enough to get this appointment. <laughs> but next I know, time, my schedule's crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> next time, will you, will you talk about that part? Of, your of life course, life. of course. And real quickly, so I did that three years full time, and then I started a nonprofit, and we employ two full time campus ministers. We have a um, white male who reaches out to athletes in particular, and his wife helps out with the female athletes as a volunteer. And then we have a, a young uh, black woman who reaches out to single women and multiculturally reaches out, and that's both at the same campus. So they're a team trying to be available to as many students as are interested in that. And they mentor uh, a couple hundred students between the three of them uh, wow. on a year basis. So that's how we've multiplied while I do my day job. Yes. We give a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of leadership to making sure that that mentoring is still happening at the mm-hmm. college that I went to. Um, so and so I was mentored very question. well. Yeah, you took my next question for me. I was going to ask, where can people find you? This website you've been alluding to, what is it called? Where can we find you? I know you're on LinkedIn, but where else can people find you? Can you just yeah yeah absolutely so our website is www.truenorthfs.com and so true north is spelled t-r-u and then n-o-r-t-h so there's no e in there it's all one word and then f-s stands for financial services so truenorthfs.com uh the inspiration page is just just forward slash inspiration that's the best page to start on um and uh, going there right now yeah, so that's where you find us. Or look me up on LinkedIn. I have um, a battery, a magnet, and a volcano after my name. I know. Um, I was going to ask you to break that down. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I was going to ask you what does it mean. So I real quickly. I the, what the magnet was. But yeah. The, like, so the battery is, I always have an unlimited source of energy. Hey, it's, a recharge, it's a rechargeable battery, just like the mm-hmm. refillable glass. Um, the magnet is people say I have a magnetic personality. Yes. and I love to draw people in. And like attracts likes. So like you and I being twins, you know, I have three boys also. You have three boys. What? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so we are twins. Yes. Um, we are. Actually, we're off, off, offline, I guess. I'll talk to you about a project that I'm trying to do. You may or may not sure. have the time to do it. but I'll Sure. Yeah, so that's the magnet thing is the attraction as well as the, uh, the magnetic personality. And then the volcano is like, I can be very overwhelming and I overflow with compliments. I love to compliment people. Sometimes it gets me in a little trouble. Um, but I love to, if I see someone who is, you know, a fantastic singer like Jillian, um, I go overboard telling her how great she is. My friend who's the artist, Dina, I go overboard and telling her how amazing she is in her art. Ramona, I love to just overflow with compliments and praise and encouragement. And, you know, volcanoes, they have an unlimited source of lava inside. And so I just overflow and overwhelm. And so that's, that's what the volcano is. Because like, ironically, 2018, my, my New Year resolution, the only one, I only make one a year, was to compliment women more. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. Sign, I haven't sign me stopped. Up for that. I haven't stopped, <laughs> but check it out, though. Every time I do it, they don't know how to take it. No. And many people say yeah. And so, and, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that the women that I compliment, most of them are cool with it. Once in a while, they're like, they I think know. I'm like interested in them yeah, and we work yeah, through yeah. that. But it's funny. I decided about three months ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start being just as over the top with men. 
that I like on online. And so the first time I sent the little emoji with the kiss and a couple of hearts. Oh God! The first, <laughs> the first guy, the first guy back to me. His name's Colin. He's like, "Dude, I love you already," and sent me a whole bunch of hearts. I love like, it. Yes, it's on, baby. <laughs> I love it. And we're I still really coming, but that's great. And so now we've invited in other guys, and we we're starting to be very open and complimentary, and like. Trust me, I have no attraction to any man in the whole world. Sign me up uh, for that movement. Sign me up for like any women. movement that includes love and actually yeah. showing the love. Sign me. When you know what's funny, not a single man has misinterpreted or been upset by me being very complimentary of them. In fact, they usually privately message me and they're like, that means so much to me coming from you someone who's an established businessman, someone who's obviously comfortable in his own skin, someone who it's very clear from other things that you're more attracted to women than men. Um, but thank you, that meant a lot to me. And they tell me their story and it's almost like they've been dying for someone to compliment them. Um, and it actually meant more to them that it was a guy. Yeah. Because we, we guys kind of, we get all homophobic yeah. and we worry about that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, come on now, yeah. you know? Um, we can we can be that way too because girls do that more i've seen they'll send the little kiss they'll send the hey darling oh, they'll yeah. use that kind of language which you thought because i often think well hey if i said that to a woman she would think i was coming on to her yes, you know yes. kind of a thing so i'm like and you we're know, going well, back to saying what we said at the beginning the society is setting some crazy rules that are not even like real like it yeah. doesn't really make any sense so i tell you i like your beard yeah, that means I'm, I'm i've got the hearts for you Maybe I just oh. just like your beard. Just like the beard. Wait, and so and you I, know, I always ask men, I always look at men's um, accessories because I have three boys, but also because I can. And so every time sure. I say, man, I love your shoes. And they look at me as like, and I just quickly tell you, I have three boys because right away they're like, oh. I'm like, <laughs> they don't know how to take it. Right? And like, oh, I got it from the gap or whatever. I mean, yeah, because yeah. I threw in the fact that I love, I have three boys. If I left yep. it like that, it's like, oh, that girl, oh my God. She's yeah. Like, can I not just say, oh, girl, well, that's a girl. Man, whatever, Chris, we yep. are twins. I love it. You can compliment me anytime you want on anything you want, all right? Uh, and I'll love it. The other thing I love to say, and I say this in work a lot, and I know we got to end here before long. Um, when it comes to you know what we do for people with their finances, when it comes to this kind of connection like we've had here today, like we've never actually spoken till today, right? No, yes, we've, exactly. We've, we've dropped we've dropped messages to each other. Yes, but you know what? Even even in those messages, even the very first time you responded or whatever, however we met, right there, that instant, I was like, this is the guy that gets it, gets yeah. it, and I'm cool. not Oprah, but you get cool. it. I can tell. Yeah, cool. But the thing I love to say is, you know what? One size fits one. Mm. And so each person, you know, I wouldn't say what I said to Colin to everybody because some guys would certainly take that the wrong way or be upset or whatever. You, you really need to get to know each person. You need to care about each person individually. Each person has infinite worth in and of themselves. And so when we go around getting to know people, caring about people, seeing people, we can be comfortable in our own skin and we can actually get to know them enough that we know they can handle us joking around. They can handle us complimenting their shoes. They can handle me sending the hearts to them uh, online in a public forum uh, because we've actually connected enough that it's okay to just be ourselves and be silly and be fun and be human, be human. with each other. Um, there's one other connection I want to tell you about. We connected through LinkedIn. We're on WhatsApp together now all the time. Her name's Jasmine. She's up in Canada. She's phenomenal. She's, I think she's from India. I can't even remember. It doesn't even matter. 
Um, she's beautiful inside and out. She's amazing. She's like, I'm like old enough to be her dad. I call her one of my little sisters. We send silly messages and pictures and just encourage each other. And we just say, how's your day going? How are you? When she had a cold last week, I kept saying, are you feeling better? Are you drinking enough water? We care. And one time I said, I hope you don't mind me being so goofy. And she's goofy back. And she's like, Chris, we're treating each other like fellow human beings. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. And she's like 20 some years old. It was so insightful. I'm like, you know what? That's exactly right. Like we're just treating each other the way everybody wishes they were treated and could treat each other. And we just developed this cool little connection. There's no interest in each other. There's no anything. We just really like each other as people. We just happen to be a, a white man and a somewhat darker skinned female. And we live in two different countries. We probably have different faiths. We haven't even talked about that. Those things don't matter. Like, I think she's a phenomenal human being. She's like an angel on earth and she must like me too. And so literally hardly a day goes by. We don't message each other. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I look forward to every message she sends me. Usually they crack me up, but often they're very caring and sweet as well. And, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. She's unbelievable. That's fantastic. Those are the connections we all want. Oh, right? yes. Wow. You're, you're, you're right. I, I don't know. I, I, I am generally usually overwhelming. And ironically, I don't know that I'm shy, but every once in a while. You don't I'm seem shy. to be. <laughs> no, 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 but I, I, I'm, I'm getting somewhere and I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't think if you put all the adjectives in the world, shy is not going to make the list. But no. <laughs> when I'm with my wife, when we go outdoors, I let her do the talking. I let mm. her do all of that. And it's like, what, what, you're shy? I'm not, but I'm already overwhelming as I am. So I usually just don't. And then I don't even know why I just default to her because yeah. she would be the one person who just wants to be in the background all the time. So I don't. When we go there, I let her do the talking and let her, and she has her own way and yeah. she has her own style and it works fine. And I just let her just lead the way. She's older than me by three months, but it's not even that, that. It's just, I just let her do it because I know myself when I get started, I know what I can do. So that's you why take I just, over. <laughs> yeah. And so I just let it and I love that. And so I think and that's you know what? if it makes if it makes you both happy, it's such a beautiful thing. Yes. So that will be a good place to end for today. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> absolutely, you know it. But do you have any parting words for the listeners? I know you've dropped so many nuggets. Usually I go back and I review, but I uh, <laughs> You just talked about, I love the fact that you have humble beginnings. And indeed, that's what makes us great. That's what, that's the making of greatness. It's just like Obama, you know, coming from just doubt and shame and uncertainty and some a little, a little, you know, drop of poverty and all of that is important to yeah. make a man, to make the full-blown man that's in yes. his inner beauty and inner self and Ability to express why not because we can. A la Tony, Mor Tony, Tony Morrison, you know, just say it already. Yeah. My, my biggest takeaway, I think, just to, to kind of put the bow on today's conversation, at least, I keep coming back to, to two thoughts that are actually intertwined with each other. The first one is for all the listeners out there on Dr. Lulu's show and who don't know me, I'd love to get to know you, but you have the power to be the change and make the change in your own life that you've always wanted to. And today is the day you need to get started. You have to take action. You have to make decisions. You have to take risks. You have to change the things you're doing or nothing will change. 
but you can do it. And today's the day, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, today. And then the other piece is like, your story isn't written yet. Amen. Your book, your book's just getting started. This is the early chapters. I don't care how old you are. You get to write the rest of the story and it's your own story. Mm. And today you're going to look in the mirror and wink at yourself and say, girl, boy, you're killing it. And you're going to write the next chapter. So start freaking writing the chapter because you can do it. Amen. Start today. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I'm going to love what I do. <sighs> that was Chris. And that's it. That's all I can say. That was Chris. You know, there are no duplicates. This guy is authentic. And I love it. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for gracing our pages. We do look forward to page two, three, four, five, and up to 10. I love it. If you're listening to me, you heard the gentleman come here and just say it like, like no other. There's no point paraphrasing, no point rephrasing. He has said it. And you know what? I think you should rewind and listen again because you can. It's on your phone. Thank you all so much for being there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for just being a part of the family. Don't forget Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month is September. We've still got two months to go, two weeks to go. Reach out to someone, say something. And I don't even know when this is going to air, in all fairness. It may, we may be in May. It doesn't matter. Just remember that suicide is, September is always suicide month and prevention month. But every day is a chance to be a suicide prevention day. Right? Yes. Chris? yes. So just go out there and just find someone, hug them. Do like I yep. do. Walk up to random strangers and say, ma'am, I just love your shoes. And they're like, ah! <laughs> my kids are like mom do you have to I say yes i want to talk to her because i saw i think her son is cute like mom I'm like, no ma'am your son is so cute and right there i get all the you know i just yeah. warm and fuzzy do that you can change people's lives in 20 seconds by giving them a hug giving them a smile looking them in the eye saying something nice to them 20 seconds you can change a life so start doing it start doing it you know tell them dr lulu and chris sent you <laughs> we sent you <laughs> on that note Peace out. This is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Marmatrician, your board-certified pediatrician, your podcaster, your best-selling author, your blogger, your friend, signing out of today's episode. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. My pleasure. Chris.